Three weeks ago, we started a series on transition, and I uh, taught three weeks ago, setting a foundation for the series, and talking about some of the transitions that will be taking place here this year at this church. Um, Then two weeks ago, Isaac came and shared his testimony about transition in his life. Uh, Last week, Barbie uh, brought you a little bit of the the rich teachings that God has given her about being positioned for transition. Uh, These next four weeks, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get down to the, the nuts and bolts of transition. We're going to actually talk about some application and what needs to be done uh, in order, in order to transition the way you want to transition. So if you'll stand with me, we're going to read two verses this week. The first one you're probably very familiar with. The second one you should be familiar with. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the presence of your spirit. And Lord, I pray that the spirit would touch us and anoint us in such a way that we would receive the word today, that we would truly be changed, that you would change our way of thinking and that we would leave here different people from what we were when we came, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. People used to think such things. People used to think that, uh, that the earth was flat. You know that. Can you imagine that? Have you ever been to Kansas? How many of you have been to Kansas? Oh, wow. Well, if you've been to Kansas, then you know the earth is flat. It's so flat in Kansas that if your dog runs away, you can watch him run for three days. It's so flat in Kansas that they say if you, if you look long enough at the horizon, you'll see the back of your head. It's so flat. In, how flat is it? It's so flat in Kansas that the church choirs sing off key. Okay, enough of that. <laughs> yeah, y'all are pretty sharp, though. I actually had to think about that one for a second. Uh, yeah, but that was back in the middle, that was back in the dark ages, right? When people thought the earth was flat. This, this map that's up here right now, it was actually drawn in 1893, which wasn't exactly the dark ages. And in, in fact, today, there's still a, a group called the Flat Earth Society, and they're serious. They're serious. And you know why? Because they're afraid that if people actually believed that the earth was a sphere, they wouldn't believe the Bible anymore. The things that people used to think. Uh, People used to think that smoking was good for you. Because after all, if your doctor tells you, have you considered taking up smoking? I think it will help to calm your nerves and Maybe help you lose a few pounds. 
I don't know why. I mean, the only argument would be, you know, Lucky's Camels or Viceroy's. Uh, for some reason, dentists approve Viceroy's. But uh, how many of you are old enough to remember these ads? I mean, these are real. This is a real deal. They used to, they used to have this stuff. Uh, but the one that really blew me away that I found was this one. Cardiologists who recommend full flavor cigarettes tart attacks of virus. I can't even read it. Cardiologists who recommend full flavored cigarettes to heart attack survivors recommend Lucky Strike three to one over any other brand. How about cardiologists who recommend full flavored cigarettes to heart attack survivors shouldn't be cardiologists. People used to think, people used to think that the moon was made out of cheese. Actually, I don't think they ever thought that. I think that is a rumor started by people who couldn't tell the difference between a tall tale and a textbook. And they still have descent. They are still among us. Yeah. People used to think some things that today seem fairly ridiculous, but uh, they had one advantage over us. They might not know much, but they would at least think. Yeah, I'll let that rest for just a moment. That, that's, that's, the, that's the introduction. It isn't that we don't ever think these days. It's just that we don't do it very often and we're not very good at it. And as a result, we have a strong tendency to be conformed to the pattern of this world. If we're going to be transformed, if we're going to, be, if we're going to go through transformation in a godly fashion, then it starts with renewing our minds, and renewing our minds requires thinking. Yeah, somebody's on top of this. Renewing our minds requires thinking. Well, why don't we think? We think we think. So why don't we think? Well, we've abandoned thinking for feelings. That's what we've done. And I'll let that sit there for a second as well. Because we really have abandoned thinking for feelings. And, and you know, and part of it, feelings are a lot easier than thinking. It's easy to know how you feel. It actually takes some effort to know what you think about something. And so we usually stop at, at the feelings. And, and we're used to being manipulated. We're used to being manipulated by advertising, which not only doesn't require thinking, it, 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 it actually doesn't appreciate thinking very much. Actually would appreciate it very much if you didn't think. I was uh, one of the... I don't know why it just it, it it hit me, but a couple of weeks ago I was watching uh, I was watching ball games. That's what I watch, and uh, this this ad comes on. You know, I usually uh, blitz through the ads, especially car ads. But uh, for some reason, I don't know. I must have hit live TV or something, and and uh, and they were, it was saying nothing brings people together like a Toyota-thon. What does that mean? Yeah, my wife and I, our marriage were on the rocks and then wasn't sure we were going to be able to get it together, but praise God, the Toyota-thon came along. <laughs> we, we were able to come together and be reconciled. Yeah. 
that, that's not a real, that, that, that's sarcasm. I mean, yeah, that's, no, Margaret and I, we're good. Uh, old Ed, you deserve a break today. I think the new one is I'm loving it. My question is, why? Uh, why do you deserve a break today? Did you do something special? Why are you loving it? You have no idea what month they cooked those french fries in. Because they still look the same later on. But you, you just feel the, feel the love for it every time you see the golden arches. Uh, farmers insurance has seen it all. No, they hadn't. Nobody's seen it all. Are you really in good hands with Allstate? No one ever cared for you like Allstate. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. And feelings now tend to drive our faith even. I don't feel that tithing is necessarily a part of a disciplined life of discipleship. And I heard someone say it, it isn't biblical. Yeah. Well, you heard someone who disagrees with Jesus. Luke eleven forty two, And it's not that you don't think it's part of a disciplined life. You don't feel like it's part of a disciplined life because you don't really want to lead a disciplined life. That's tough to lead a disciplined life. In the Lord. I, I, I don't feel it's really necessary to read the Bible. You aren't saying that it isn't necessary to read the Bible. You aren't saying that it isn't necessary to, to hear God speak to you every day and give him the opportunity to do that. What you're saying is you don't feel like doing it. This is fun today, people. This, this, is, this is a fun sermon. I really, really love Jesus, but I don't feel like I need to be a faithful part of a fellowship. And it certainly isn't that you don't think you need to be. You don't feel you need to be because that requires commitment. That requires intentionality. When I was growing up, my my dad was a pastor and it was a different era. It was a different day. Uh, people, uh, people didn't have two cars. Most, a lot of people didn't have one car. And you didn't have um, every night of the week planned going into the week. You, and, and my little league team played 10 whole games a, a year. Uh, so, I mean, you know, life was just a little bit slower. So we had church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and at least twice a year we would have revivals. And when those revivals would come, my, my, my prayer was that they would at least give us Saturday off. And, and, and then my fear was that not only were they not going to give us Saturday off, but they were going to go, let's go another week, people. And, and you know, we'd, and, and so I, I would say to my dad on more than one occasion, you know, why do we have to go to church all the time? And he would always go to those, those of you who grew up in the same kind of culture that I did, it always go to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And it doesn't say how often you're, you, you're supposed to go, okay? I will we'll say that, head into that. But it says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another 
on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Okay. It doesn't say how often. But I think, you know... it's pretty clear that, that our lives run in such a cycle that once a week is probably a minimum. I mean, e- each week, I, I would say, would be, would be a minimum for that. But let's change our way of thinking here just a little bit. Because it doesn't just say go to church. It says before you, the reason why you're going and before you get there is you need to be thinking about how am I going to encourage somebody? How am I going to spur someone on toward love and, and, and good works? You know, that, that's, that's why I want to get with these people. Because the Lord's given me something to bring to them. <laughs> and I, I, I saved this for the end last time. I'll just say it in the middle. That'll give you more time to forget it. Uh, when... Uh, when, when, when the people are up here uh, getting ready to, to lead into a service, do you know how discouraging it is when only about a third of the seats that are going to be filled are filled? At the beginning? And you know how much more effort it takes to be there on time? That much. It's just a matter of Renewing your mind and thinking in a different way. I'm not going to be served. I'm not going to hear Tammy and Will uh, sing. I'm, I'm going because I need to encourage somebody. And that, and that may be something I'll say to somebody. Maybe something I'll do for somebody. It may just be being there. And going, I honor the gift that you're bringing enough to be there when you start giving it. Okay, I'll probably say something about that next week too. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Do you see the day approaching? I do. I don't think it's far off that day. I mean, we sang about it in that song. When we see that day, that's the day that it's talking about. Faithfully attending weekly worship has, has been demoted to the level of, do I want to buy Jif or Peter Pan today? Yeah. Which, which one am I in the mood for? The charismatic movement, when it came in back in the middle of the 20th century, brought, boy, boy does that feel weird to say, uh, brought a blessing and a danger. The, the blessing was that it, that it breathed Life. It, it, it breathed life into areas of the church that had, gr- quite frankly, grown cold and grown stale and, 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 and grown dead. But the danger that it brought was it ushered in this, 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 this wave of feeling that tended us to lose our moorings and abandon the foundation of discipleship. And and of and of walking daily with with the Lord, it, 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 services tended to become what's going to happen. 
I want to be where something's happening. Well, I want to be where something's happening too. But that's not the same thing as a discipleship walk with Jesus Christ. Simply not. The, the idea is, is, is both when, uh, boy, back in, back in the 70s, uh, a lot of the people that I was walking with, that, I, that the Lord brought me into fellowship with during that time, brought Margaret and I into fellowship with during that time. You know, we were all charismaniacs, and, and it was um, in every sense of the word. And it, but at the same time that we were going, hey, man, you know, let me tell you what God did today. At the same time, every single one of us were involved. Well, I say every single one of us. Many of us were, were just crazy for Bible study, too. I mean, you know, we went to church, we went to Bible study. We, 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 we spent time in the, in the Word every day. And very honestly, you know, a lot of those people are still walking strong and steady with the Lord. Uh, the ones who were just, wow, let me tell you what God did, but didn't have anything to, they're gone. Doesn't last. Because the world can give you some feelings. It, it, it can counterfeit that. Feelings, in fact, I would say, are the enemy of faith. You know, how often does your feelings line up with your faith? How, how often does your feelings lead you deeper into your faith? It really doesn't. It's, 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 it's knowledge that does. Knowledge is not something that we need to be afraid of. We don't have to be afraid of knowledge. We don't have to fear knowledge. In fact, you can't have faith without knowledge. The Bible says in, in, in Romans chapter 10, how can they call on one they've not uh, believed in and how can they believe on one they've not heard about? They've got, they got to know something before they can, before they can have knowledge and, and, and put, put that knowledge into practice. We don't, we don't have to be afraid of, of science. We don't have to be afraid. Well, if people learn that the globe is round, then they're not going to believe the Bible anymore. You know, back in the 16th century, uh, the church once banned the books of Nicholas Copernicus. How many of you know who Copernicus was? Yeah, y'all are smarter than the, well, some of you are, this group is smarter than the, than the, than the, than the first service. Copernicus, come on, people. Uh, he's the guy who, who, uh, came up with that radical theory that that the earth actually goes around the sun rather than the sun going around the earth but the earth isn't actually the center of the universe he was a he was a faithful son of the church in fact the book that he wrote that that proposed that theory he he dedicated it to the pope at that time and and was and was trained in the church he wasn't trying to, to he didn't he saw the glory and wonder of god in the universe and it didn't have to be a, a, a flat earth for it to be that. And it's an old, old story, but often those who set out to disprove the uniqueness of Christ or that Christ existed or the resurrection of Christ, frequently they end up, as they investigate it, going, this is real. This, this, this is real. I have, to, I have to, to buy into this, believe it. What we say we believe, we just need to pay attention to what we say we believe rarely controls our actions anymore. Rather, our actions are, are controlled by how we feel. 
And ultimately, that shapes what we think. How we feel shapes what we think, and it ought to be the other way around. I, I mentioned this a few years ago, but I didn't bring up, I didn't use an example, but I'm going to use an example today because I, maybe it'll come on. I was saying we live in a culture, we live in a time where uh, people tend to, let, let's say that there are different categories in life and there, and there are different columns to choose from, and, and people uh, tend to just choose at random rather than going, okay, if I choose this in this column, then that means I need to choose this and this one and this and this one and this and this one. And here's an example. I, there are a lot more columns than three in life and a lot more things under the columns than four. But let's, let's just go with this. Uh, column A, Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, Hitler. Ah, oh, Jesus. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to choose Jesus. That's what I'll take. <clears throat> so now column B, uh, church, mosque. Now I'm going there. Meditate. Eh, well, that's hard. Uh, oh, ball game. Yeah, definitely ball game. Uh, column C, air, slave, not a slave. No, no, no slave. Consumer? Well, I don't know. Definitely a air consumer. I don't know which. Uh, okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm the, I don't know on that. And, and that's the way we order our lives. As if that made any sense. It doesn't make sense, but it feels like what we want to do. And if we're going to be transformed, we, we have to have... A, that is called being conformed to the pattern of this world. If we're going to truly be transformed, it has to take place by the renewing of our minds. Well, how can we know what to think? Uh, well, there it is. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, Paul isn't saying here that that's the only thing you will ever think about, because it isn't. You've got to think about how to get home. You've got to think about... Do I need to put gas in the car? I mean, you know, there's there's some practical stuff there. But how often do you think about this intentionally? How much of of your of your free time, your thinking free time during the day, is intentionally applied to whatever is true, noble, right, pure? Excellent. Praiseworthy. Oh, what is truth? Well, that's, that one's pretty easy as well. Pilate. <laughs> we, we tend to be like Pilate. When Pilate asked Jesus if he was a king, Jesus said, I, I am, I'm a king. In fact, uh, that's the reason why I came into this world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who's on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate goes, what is truth? Don't feel like there's an answer to that. And, and that's what we have a tendency to do, but it's right there. Jesus says in John 17, 17, your word is truth. God's word is truth. Okay, I, I want to, you know, there's obviously a bunch of different places I could, I could go with this, but let me just go to here to let you know when your thinking is off. To let you know when... You're, you're not being renewed in your thinking. You, uh, you, you are not being renewed in your thinking if you think that you have been called to remove the speck from your brother's eye. 
I, I was, I was uh, uh, reading a little snippet this week that said, uh, um, being able to recognize sins in other people does not make you a saint. It might make you feel like one. Because if you can, you know, man, I mean, if they got a list like that and your list is only like that, you're doing pretty well, right? That's how it is. I mean, you, you know the parable. Jesus said, why you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and not realize you got a plank in your eye? I mean, you got a whole board there. And so the thing is, here's, here's the situation. When you see something wrong in somebody else, the first reaction should not be, well, I need to help them out. Or even, well, I don't need to say anything because pastor said not to. But the first reaction should be, I see that speck in their eye. What does that say about me? What am I missing? What, what, what is it that I need that I, that I need to look at in my own life? We're not, none of us are perpetually clear. And when you think you see a speck in in your brother's eye, the first reaction should be to look for the speck in your own eye. Jesus said, do not judge or you, you'll be judged. You know, sometimes I get uh, uh, accused and I think rightly of, uh, of extending too much grace, too much mercy, too much. uh, Some people might say too much rope. uh, So that people can hang themselves. That's not my intention, but you know, sometimes I, and do you know why I do that? I mean, yes, I'm guilty because I want that stuff. I need that grace. I, I need that mercy in my, in my own life. And Jesus said that the measure that I use with you is how it's going to be measured back to me. So all of you, you're, I, you're forgiven. I, you know, just, <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, take it. Feel, feel the love there because because I, I need it now you know I mean there's sometimes that you have to say hard things to people like come to church on time uh, there's some things that you have to say hard things to people and, and I'll you know I'll do that but but when it comes to the opportunity to extend grace to extend mercy to extend forgiveness hey put me on that train I'll, I'll, I'll buy a ticket for that and then secondly, your thinking is wrong if you often find yourself musing, why him and not me? Why her? Why did, why did she get to and I didn't get to? Last week, Barbie was, was sharing about the, the different stages of transition, position for transition. And she uh, one of the stages that I don't know if everybody really caught it was the fact that when you're, you're back in the quiver, you know, if if you care enough to to actually connect with people, you're in the quiver. You're back in the quiver, and you're being drawn out of the quiver to be exalted. And and she was saying uh, that what your attitude should be, which is, oh no, Lord, I think he'd be, he'd be. I'm not qualified. He is. You know, she she is. You know, I want to see them exalted. I want I want to see. Good things happen in, in their life. Uh, let's give them the opportunity to do that. Um, which is just the opposite of reaching back and the archer's pulling you out and you're going, well, it's about time. It's about time somebody noticed me. 
It's about time somebody noticed what I'm doing. Truth of the matter is, if, you're, if that is the attitude, then you're not ready to be exalted. It won't be a blessing to you for that to happen. In the last chapter of John, <clears throat> the last time that Jesus um, appeared to his disciples and spoke to them, he, uh, he was telling Peter how he was going to, to suffer, how he was going to die to bring glory to, to Christ. And Peter sees John over there and he says, well, what about him, Lord? You know, what's going to happen with him? And Jesus goes, that is none of your business. If I want him to stay alive until I come back, what's that got to do with you? And if, if somebody else is exalted, if somebody else is lifted up, and you go, why not? That, why them? I don't, I don't feel like they deserve that. Mm. That's, 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 some, that's thinking, thinking. God's the one who makes those decisions. And the scripture says that if you will humble yourself under God's mighty hand, then at the right time, he'll exalt you. At the right time, he will, he will lift you up. So here we go. Thinking for transition. We, we read it. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. It's good, pleasing, and perfect will. I was, I was reading Colossians this week, and not for the sermon. It was just a part of my uh, daily devotionals. And I, and I came across this, and I, since I knew I was already going to be using this verse, I made a connection that I'd never made before. Renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. In Colossians 1, 9 through 12, portions of it. So we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Would you like some more strength? Would you like to be able to to live a life that pleases the Lord? Would you, would you like to bear fruit in your life? Be fruitful in every good work. I mean, do you feel like, do you feel like there's some room for improvement in any of those areas? This is saying that that, that is born out of the knowledge of God's will. And the knowledge of God's will is born out of the renewing of your minds. And so perhaps we just need to change our way of thinking. We uh, used to, well, and occasionally we still do, put up a slide before the offering. Uh, we are believing God for jobs and better jobs. And, and, and a couple of the things are clever inventions and productive ideas. Those don't come from feelings. Those come from thinking. And so... My goal this week is to make us aware of the fact that sometimes we think we're thinking, but we're not. We're just feeling. 
And so let the Holy Spirit point out where those places are in our lives. And then let's get intentional. And what we let's get intentional about letting letting God renew our minds, renew the way that we think. Uh, was it first service? Was it, the worship team come on up? Uh, was it first service, second service? When uh, uh, having a senior moment? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, uh, uh, when Johnny was was singing in uh, the "I've Been Changed" song, and he was talking about, uh, you know, I uh, uh, <clears throat> I used to think I was just born that way, but I've been changed because I found out that the Bible said I need to be born again, right. and he got born again. Did that's something like that. You did it much better than I did. <laughs> Let your mind be born again as well. Would you stand with me? For those who are going to pray for people, come forward. And if you're here and you need prayer. You know, this, this, was, this is a thinking believer's sermon. But there's... Nothing about thinking that keeps God from doing miracles. And we believe that God does miracles. So, you know, whatever you need from the Lord, if you need a healing, if you need uh, a job, if you need, if you need direction in your life, and I think we're going to need a couple more people to come forward. Then you come. We'd like to pray with you. God, God wants to do something for you today. If you don't need to come, worship with us for a few minutes. Create an atmosphere for the Spirit to move.